was in a car with about four other people and we were coming from Nakuru town going home and uh, we met our accident which left me severely disabled and three of the occupants in the car died on the spot and then the other survived with minor injuries. A heart-wrecking story that remains etched in his memory. Six years ago, a grisly road accident along the busy Nakuru Eldoret Highway left a young, energetic and ambitious man physically impaired. Meet the vibrant Brian Mushiri Waihenya. I'm not the only child, I'm, I'm the firstborn, but I have two younger brothers. Now in his mid-twenties, yet his life has been like a roller coaster. From a tragic road accident that almost claimed his life to being confined to a wheelchair. Since then, I have lived a life of disability because after my accident, I injured my spinal cord and not just injured it, I dislocated it from a level we call C5, C7 and that meant that I lost all movement and sensation from my armpits down. So I have no use of my legs, I can't move my legs, I can't feel them. I can't feel anything that is below my armpits. I have very limited use of my upper limbs. My sensation and movement is restricted up to my wrist area. So beyond my wrist towards my fingers, I can't move. So I have very limited use of my hands. The shock of what had just happened and what was to become of him was too much information to bear. In his then tender age of 19, he had just enrolled to an institution of higher learning. In hospital, I was being told that uh, I just dislocated my neck. They didn't explain, they didn't counsel me about what to expect or what was to become of my life after coming from the hospital, going home. I had to find all that out by myself and uh, it was quite a trying moment because I had to Google, I got all my answers from Google. I Googled what is spinal injury and uh, can you get healed from spinal injury. I was in a very bad state physically and even worse mentally. I felt like my body was getting worse and worse every day by day. When I regained uh, minimal use of my hands, I started to Google. I started to research on spinal cord injury and what it means and uh, what impact it would have on my life. After reading the discharge letter from Kenyatta Hospital, I noticed that I had a complete injury. You know, with spinal injuries, you can either get a complete or incomplete injury. So mine was complete injury and with complete injuries, the chances of recovery are very minimal. So the post that I read advised me to manage my expectations. And so from then I had to come to terms with what I had read and what kind of life I was going to have after the accident. And as reality gradually dawned on him, he plunged into a state of depression. It really hit me hard because I was a very young man. So then to find out that uh, you'll have to ask for help to eat, to feed yourself, to bathe, and even to go to the to go to go for long calls or short calls, and uh, even to to use things like like diapers or catheters, it was quite difficult. I had to find a balance between accepting myself the way I was and uh, trying to heal, and also dealing with my pain. 
I think I didn't deal with it too well because I had a lot of friends and family coming to support me during the day. I acted like I was okay, but at night depression really hit me hard and for almost two or three years I couldn't sleep comfortably. I had to fatigue myself so that I could sleep. Eh? I guess it's because my mind was in a very bad state. Psychologically also I was very traumatized but I didn't know how to deal with those feelings. The greatest reason why I was that depressed and that traumatized is because I spent a lot of time alone. I had my own, my own space where I could wallow in sadness and in depression. I had my small little room. I didn't want to come out of the bed. I would stay in bed from Monday to the next Monday. I think that was the main reason why I got that depressed because I spent a lot of time by myself and uh, just on the internet and day by day in his new state of disability the temptation to commit suicide slowly began to get more attractive when I started googling I came across a, a blog about a, a woman who was around my, the same age I was like me she had gotten an accident a road accident and sustained her suffered a, a spinal cord injury now she had a blog life paralyzed she was talking about how this was not the life that she wanted and that in her state in America it was legal to do something that is called death with dignity maybe it's called euthanization I'm not sure of the correct term, but it's something that is done for animals. If an animal is in pain, you just give it a shot and then it dies without pain, yeah? So in some American states, it's legal to, to, to like, uh, commit suicide, commit suicide uh, legally if you're in chronic pain or you are severely disabled you, you can't live a quality life it's legal so i used to follow her blog so much and the more i followed her the more i was intrigued by by this idea of ending your life because you don't see a future hmm? and this is something that people do so i started to entertain the thought and the thought of suicide just kept on getting more attractive the more I read about these things, the more I read about other cases of women, of people with brain damage who are choosing to, to, to commit suicide. They call it death with dignity. His peers call him Bio. He's a really nice guy. Yeah, even though he's on the wheelchair, he's outgoing. Disability is not inability. He's a nice guy. He's really humorous. What inspires me about Bio is, despite being on a wheelchair, he doesn't let his disability maybe underestimate him. He's also a living testimony, never to lose hope, no matter what happens in life, no matter what happens. Even the worst can happen to you, but you can still stand up and rise again. Now jovial and living life to the fullest. One of the things that I have discovered I loved is collecting art and it gives me such joy to fill my house with, with art pieces and uh, it's quite therapeutic. But it took him over two years to completely come to terms with his new self. He intimates coming out of the closet was the challenge that contributed to his healing process. 
the turning point is the moment I accepted myself. And I accepted myself the moment that I started going out of my room and going out of my space and meeting people and uh, interacting with them and having very normal conversations and not just conversations about my disability and what I had lost. My recovery has been gradual, it has been systematic. Your healing process has included mindset change. Yeah, because you know, the first years after the accident, I had convinced myself that I would never come out of bed. Yeah? In my mind, I had readied myself for that kind of life, that I would live a life that was indoors and committed myself to living in bed because I had done so for one year. And I can remember I gave out all my shoes because I didn't see any use for shoes because I thought in my mind, why would a person on a wheelchair need shoes? But later on, my family and friends all through, even through my depression, have been encouraging me and challenging me to go back to a fulfilling life. But because I wasn't in the right mindset to do so, I couldn't see sense in what they were saying. So I preferred to sit back and just wallow in sadness and uh, embrace my depression. But you see, when I started to slowly accept myself, I started to see life in another light. It sounds cliche, but I started to smell the flowers. I started to want to dress better. He is a creative who enjoys sharing his everyday life stories on his blog, engaging his audience in fun-filled challenges such as I owe me. Yeah, that is interesting because I didn't have a healthy way of dealing with my stress. So I started my blog and uh, I started a page on Facebook. That was also a major part of my healing because through writing about my experiences and uh, through sharing my story with other people, I got to unburden myself. And then I started to feel lighter. I was writing about stories about myself. I felt like I was connecting with other people. So I started to blog about all these struggles and all these things and uh, I read somewhere about a man who had a near-death experience he almost drowned or something like that and then he came up with a list of things that he had been procrastinating but he needed to do that idea really intrigued me because I thought about all the things that I used to long for I used to be interested in so I started like a movement for myself called I owe me and I owe me is just as it sounds the things that you owe yourself and then I thought about all the things that I have always wanted to do like a 100 of them things like starting a, a foundation and giving out wheelchairs like for people like me and I wrote about going to trips and I wrote about going for camping just basically I wrote about things that were out of my comfort zone I'm proud to say that I have done a couple of things on that list Through his journey of pain, living with a disability, he has now formed a foundation to help people with similar challenges. And now he is putting a smile to people living with disabilities in his village and his country, Kenya, as a whole. You started a foundation called Strong Spine. Tell us more about it and why you started it. I came across a group of very nice people. They started a fund drive 
which got me my power wheelchair which has liberated me in all ways that a disabled person should be liberated besides giving me physical freedom it has also opened up my mind because i can independently move from one place to the other before then i was restricted to one place and i needed another person's input to move me to another place so now i can do it by myself so the way i felt after this wheelchair challenged me to do the same thing for other people i have always wanted to get involved in advocating for the rights and inclusion of people with disability when my friends showed me this gesture it sparked something really powerful in me and uh, in 2018 i started doing what they call acts of kindness and the first thing i did i gave out my first wheelchair so that was my first project and i didn't have anything at the time so i asked myself what can i do with what i already have right now so i felt like what i had was my wheelchair which i wasn't using at the time and because i had already been given this new wheelchair i didn't see any use for the other one he donated another wheelchair that does not look like this one Mm-hmm. You, you called this one a power wheelchair. Yes. What's the difference between this and the other one mm-hmm. and how important is this one as compared to the other one? Wheelchairs differ with the kind of condition that an individual is in. For a person who doesn't have any movement in their hands, upper limbs, they can't use a wheelchair to push themselves. The the normal wheelchair, the manual wheelchair. So what would benefit you most if you're in a condition such as mine is a wheelchair that is powered, that is electric, that is motorized, that you only need to push and it moves, you know. These kinds of wheelchairs are not very popular in in our society because they are quite expensive. For, for instance, mine was almost 200,000 and you see 200,000 and uh, you are sickly and you also need other things, you need medication, your family driven almost to poverty because of bills. It can be quite challenging to get this kind of wheelchair. So there are different types of wheelchair for different types of conditions. So you can't just wake up and take a wheelchair to a person without first investigating what kind of condition they are in and what are their needs, their mobility needs so that you can then answer the question of what wheelchair does this person need. So strong spine was basically about wheelchairs. My first vision was to provide wheelchairs but as time went on I was awakened to more needs that people with disabilities have diapers accessibility to education accessibility to banking services accessibility to good hospitals things like those One of the most vital initiatives of Strong Spine Foundation is to raise awareness of just how important diapers are to most people living with disabilities. I have used diapers since the day I got my accident. because i lost all functions like i said from my armpits down and when i mean all functions i mean all functions. 
when you sustain a spinal cord injury that is as severe as mine, you experience a condition known as incontinence. Incontinence refers to the inability of an individual to control their bladder or their or their or their bowel. By bladder I mean short course, by bowel I mean long course. So for because you can't control or or you can't hold or you can't control the way you go for short calls or long calls, you need assistive devices. For the short calls, you might use catheters or urine bags, and for the long calls, you use diapers, just as children use them, as babies use them. So I remember the, the, my favorite story about diapers is the first time that I realized I was using a diaper and I was in Kenyatta National Hospital and it was about 6 a.m. It was still dark. Two nurses came to to help me bathe. Yeah? So when they were bathing me and we were having like small talk, I, I heard the sound of a, of a diaper. And then I wondered what, what, what was happening. And then I heard the nurse ask for large diapers. <laughs> She, like, she said, for who? Yeah, like, yeah. For who? yeah I, I wondered for who. And that is when I realized that that was the part that I was most conscious about, self conscious about, because I felt like I had been reduced to, to a baby because only babies use diapers. That is what I thought at the time. Because I was not aware of adult diapers or incontinence. You know, even if you are not disabled, elderly people also use uh, diapers. And uh, when you view a diaper as something that uh, reduces you to a lesser person, you will not accept it. But when you see it as an object that helps you live a dignified life, a clean life, gives you freedom, you will start to respect it and you will start to value it. Because what a diaper does, it gives you freedom to move, to be in public, to engage with other people comfortably. But this special yet very vital commodity remains a far-fetched dream to most disabled people since it's expensive. How affordable is diapers, especially for people living with disabilities? One packet is 850 shillings and inside the packet there are 10 pieces. And uh, if you think about 10 pieces, like how many times do you go for short calls or long calls? Ask yourself that question and then ask yourself how many diapers it would take for one day. I doubt that one diaper would be enough because you are a grown person, you're eating and your body is functioning. You can't even equate the kind of waste your body removes to the kind of waste that a baby removes. Yeah. So you see, for an adult, you need at least two pieces per day and that is when your body is behaving normally. If you think about two pieces every day, that means that for the 850 shillings packet, you'll use it for less than a week, Monday to Friday. So you see, in a month, you will need more than 5,000. So that means you need a packet every week. A packet every week, yeah, at least. At least. At when your body is functioning normally. Yes. Most people would not afford it. That is among us, the saddest stories that you'll ever hear from a disabled person is how they cope with not being able to afford diapers. Others opt to use children diapers. They buy the biggest 
child-sized diapers and then they use them as pads. They find a way to use them because they are relatively cheaper than the adult diapers. That is a not so sad story. Now the sad story is the point where they are reduced to using sugars and uh, nappies and polythene papers to make sure that there are no leaks. You imagine a grown person are using a nappy for myself. If I pee once, that nappy is full. Yeah? So think about peeing twice or thrice. You become so wet and then you, you get you get rashes, you get you burn yourself because you know urine is it has ammonia and all those qualities that makes it quite dangerous when it's exposed to a, one place for a long time. He is now advocating for subsidization of diapers so that people living with disabilities can access that very crucial basic need with ease. And that is why I'm inspired more to advocate for, for subsidization of diapers. And even maybe NHIF can cover a percentage of it. Like for one month, you can be given maybe two or three packets. If you are given three or two, you can buy one to maybe go get you through the month. That story of nappies and sugars, is it the reason as to why most disabled people, especially those who are not very fortunate, are hidden and not even given food? When you can't feel clean as a grown person when you can't feel like you can be in a public setting you have to be reduced to staying in your room from morning to evening that becomes your life now uh, when you can't afford basic hygiene then you can't afford to go to be outside and that is where now you find that uh, many disabled people that live mostly in the rural areas you will find that they are not in a good state of mind no matter how much you love someone you wouldn't want to see them in that state with flies flying all over them and with the with the odor coming from their room every day so it even uh, makes the burden of caregiving quite heavy because basic hygiene is something that is very important to any person. I might not be able to get as many donations as I, I would like, but the conversation will keep on going on. This is something that we'll deal with every day of every month of every year. This is basically our lives because when you think about having a diaper and having a plate of food, the importance of both is almost the same. I have had people who have preferred not to eat because they don't have a diaper or preferred not to drink because they don't have a catheter. Even as he calls for subsidization of diapers, he's also urging relevant authorities to manufacture quality diapers. So I started it in December and I have been able to provide diapers to all the people that I had identified and now I'm asking for more donations and I'm asking for more partnerships so that this can be something that is ongoing and can be something that touches more people. The ultimate dream is to have diapers that are sold for half the price. Diapers that cost about 500 or 400 at least. That would be more affordable for people and the kind of diapers that are quality, the kind of diapers that don't leave people with rashes or don't burn people because like I said, urine can be quite volatile when you are exposed to a part of your body for a long period of time.
with a disabled person or with a person that is on a wheelchair, you have to think about so many things. Because when that diaper causes some kind of irritation to your skin, then you are at risk of something we call pressure sores. A pressure sore is what happens when you expose a part of your body or a part of your skin to pressure for a long period of time. A pressure sore is like on top of the list of what kills people with disability because when once that saw gets infected you are at a very high risk of losing even losing your life a good diaper means a diaper that protects you from all that So if someone wanted to donate a diaper, how would they do it? I take diapers themselves for monetary donations. For diaper donations, you just have to reach me on my Facebook or my personal number, and then you can organize how the diapers can be sent and how I can receive them. For monetary donations, we have an Mchanga account, and the pay bill number is 891300891. 300 and then account name is diapers the money will be deposited to the christmas briefing account that is what the initiative was initially called christmas briefing any amount is appreciated and then from then i will take the diapers i will take i will buy diapers and then i will take them to the people who need them and i think all the details are provided on your facebook page yeah i do most of my work on facebook i have my facebook account which is brian mushiri Wahenya. you just see me of my profile picture i'm on my wheelchair uh, most of the people who reach out to me who are in need of diapers have actually gotten them with more donations i will be able to touch more lives Brian Moshiri Waihenya, physically confined on a wheelchair, but his mind is now liberated and renewed. Because you remember I was telling you about that suicide thing and suicide thoughts. And uh, now I started to, 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 to become a new man. I wanted to, to, to live life. I wanted to experience everything that life brings with it. And uh, that was basically how I, my mindset changed gradually. Living a life of purpose, making a difference in his world, living a quality life one day at a time. I have had to, to discover myself all over again because most of the hobbies that I enjoyed before the accident, I can't enjoy right now because I would enjoy running, uh, playing rugby, and uh, driving but uh, i have had to rediscover myself and to find new hobbies and to find new things that i like doing i also love listening to music uh, sometimes when they when i get the chance i travel i meet with friends and uh, i also like to play fifa those are some of the things that i enjoy doing being being able to sit and write by myself that is something that i value so much My parting shots. I want you to embrace inclusion. Include your friends, include your the disabled people that are around you in activities. Include them in uh, the education system. Let them be in school. Let them get jobs in your establishments. Do not treat 
us like we don't exist. Though we might be disabled, the greatest disability is your bad attitude. The greatest disability is the one that is in our minds because we feel like we cannot be accepted outside there. And now when we go in public, we look like a misfit. We just want to, to be ordinary people. Change your, your mindsets to be more positive in how you live your lives. To the caregivers, they are doing a very good job. Your caregiver might be your parent, your sibling, friend, or just a paid caregiver. You are the means by which we enjoy life. My dad is my caregiver, but my mother also supports. Like uh, putting the toothpaste on my toothbrush because I can't do it myself. Those are the things that count the most. And we pray for you and God bless you so much. Kibemboro, special assignment for Soul Food Radio Show.